My name is Matt Brown. Ladies and gentlemen, there is a buzz in the air that is palpable. And let's start the show. Advantage, Matt Brown. Everybody, the world is a better place because you are here to join us. My name is Matt Brown, and I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. It is Tuesday, March 8th, 2022, and we have a very monumental productive conversation for you. Before we get into this monumental episode, I just want to remind you to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out in the world of social media. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast. We're on Twitter at ProdConvoPod. We're on TikTok at Productive Conversations. So I hope everybody had a good weekend. I certainly did. We went to go see Griffey at the Bowerly Electric in New York City, and he was amazing. He really put on a great show. We had St. Wave perform, and Peter Kay were all on stage, all three former members, or I should say former guests of the show. And it was really great to see these artists who have taken the time to do a podcast with me and seeing them in their craft, showing how talented they are. Quite inspiring stuff, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, again, it is March. I, I, uh... I just drove all weekend, I hung out, I detoxed in the sense of detoxing all the stress in my life. It was as relaxing of a weekend as I needed it to be. And we're back grinding again. And we have been booking more guests. We have been getting ready for this big month of March. March Madness is next week, and we're going to start the coverage there. I've been uh, watching my Oscar Betts picture movies. Uh, I, I saw a couple. I watched the new West Side Story, which is arguably better than the original one. You could really make that argument. Licorice Pizza, which was the one I was most anticipating and was really excited to watch. I still liked it, but I didn't leave. Well, I bought the movie on Amazon, and... I didn't come out of it like mesmerized or anything, but I still really liked it, and I loved the leads, especially Alana Haim and Cooper Hoffman, incredible stuff. The Knicks continue to suck the Rangers. I've been uh, getting back into hockey and making sure I continue my passion for the New York Rangers. Hopefully they can make a deep run in the playoffs. Baseball has still not unlocked itself and the lockout continues but yeah i mean it's really crazy what has been taking place in the world of sports and pop culture and everything that's going on in russia with russia and ukraine and our thoughts and prayers with all those people who are negatively affected by this war i mean yeah i This world cannot be taken advantage of. It can change on an instant. And all I do is pray and hope that my friends and family and me overcome our issues and that we can prosper in this world. And that is going to be a huge theme in today's 
podcast, Prospering. I have someone who prospered through a lot of shit. He has now turned himself into a very talented writer for Sports Illustrated and fan-sighted. You can find some of his work. He is a national radio host. You can catch him on sportsmapradio.com to specifically see what he is cooking up. And he just has such a smart mind, so sharp, so articulate, so charismatic, and so entertaining. And he's a very good friend of mine. And I say it at one point in the show, he was a dream guest from the start. And after a year, almost a year and a half of having the show, he finally is coming on. Cole Thompson is coming on the podcast, everybody. Like I said, he writes for Sports Illustrated, specifically covering the NFL and college football. You could catch him weeknights on sportsmapradio.com. And yeah, we are about to have one of the most charismatic people to ever come on this show Let's see why he's so charismatic. Let's understand why he never gives up and always prospers. And let's get to know Cole Thompson. And as we do, we're going to talk to him about how he became a writer for Sports Illustrated, how he got on the air for a national radio show. What was life like growing up in Houston? How did he get to the University of Alabama? How did he start interning in New York City at SiriusXM with me and the great Danny Lynch who's been on the show? And shouts to him that's the man right there how did cole thompson become cole thompson and we're gonna find out right now for the first time ever cole thompson it's your turn let's get to know this talented individual here we go this is a very productive conversation this is a very special episode to me When I started this podcast, I knew I had to get this specific person on. He is the host of Just Saying It on Sports Map National Radio. He's an NFL and college football writer for Sports Illustrated. He interned with me at SiriusXM Radio way back when. My very good friend is here to catch up with and also just get a little insight on how he got to where he is right now. Everybody, welcome to Cole Thompson to the podcast. Cole like I said, so happy to see you, my friend. How are you? God, you grew out a very nice beard. I remember when I first met you, you were not able to have that pretty a facial. Hold up, Indianapolis to the combine. Yeah, but a 2050 year old. The whole changes. Explain that to me. I'm sorry. Listen, listen, the dude is funny as all hell, but. College. He wants in New Jersey, no matter if you're famous or not, and it just works from that theory alone. I honestly will say, like, one of the first, like, like so, so my girlfriend right now, I remember when I wanted to ask her out on, you know, when I, when I first met her, I, I did do the through Bumble, and I thought mm-hmm. that she was so pretty. And you know how you, you were able to get, like, those extra, like, you could go swipe one extra time for an extra 24-hour period? I was like, no. <laughs> Extended like, match. I, sh- I shoot my shot. I was like, yeah. no, I really want to meet this girl. This is the one I want. So I used it on her, and I was like, it was like two hours remaining in the super swipe, and I'm like, <laughs> Bro, if she says no to me, I'm going to feel really stupid afterwards. Like two minutes later, she messaged me. And now here I am two and a half years later. See, so you do encourage guys. Press that extended match if you have the option. You never know what can happen. Respectfully do it. As long as you're not being like harassier in a in a creep kind of way, then by all means, shoot your shot, guys. I mean, let, let's let's be real. I honestly think nine times out of 10 girls want you to still be able to talk to them. They're just so timid about themselves and something that they've also heard. And mm-hmm. you know, 
pop culture is with them and how, you know, beauty image is like a certain thing. They, yes. cert- they, they definitely think of certain ways. To, so like, I honestly feel like nine times out of 10, they want you to go talk to them. Just don't be afraid. And I can tell you as somebody who is very much afraid of talking to talking to women <laughs> for years and years and years, I honestly think that Pete Davidson's probably that dude. It's like, what's the worst they're going to say? I look like an yeah. anemic rag doll. Okay, worse <laughs> on SNL. I think I'm okay. Yeah, I think you you said it on the head. Uh, it's all about being respectful and not doing the unsolicited stuff, not trying to do another pickup line because lots of pretty girls have been flirted with and said something. Just do something to stick out and just show some interest and, you know, have some good body posture and eye contact too. I'm sure you agree, Cole. Oh, just don't go in there. Hey, what's up? How are you? <laughs> Can I buy you a drink? Yeah, sure. Okay. Angel shot, please. Let's go. Thank you. Let's go. like, like, do it like that. No, With I'm the not hands a creep. There. No, I'm <laughs> not a creep. I'm just here to say hello. Like, no, just like, just, 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 hi, how you doing? Can, you know, I'm, I'm cold. Can I buy you a drink or something like that? And nine times out of 10, they'll probably say yes. And then afterwards, just be your normal self. And you know what? If they don't like you for you, they weren't meant to be with you anyways. So there's always the best way to look at it. Absolutely, dude. So believe in yourself, people not so hard as we like to make it up to be and oh, it's, very hard. it's extremely hard <laughs> the way that the world is today, especially social media god they can i feel like nine times out of ten people want you to fail more than oh. they ever want you to succeed everybody wants you to fail your mother wants you to fail your father wants you to fail <laughs> the guy who's the guy who works at amazon and, and listens to a podcast is like i hope he says something really stupid today and it's all like they're just halfway tuning in like <laughs> Where does he? Where does he mess up? Yeah, yeah. Popcorn. Like what happened with the the girl, the photographer who broke her spine in front of Matt Stafford and his wife, and then someone took the time. Let me figure out how to cancel her. She's already gone through enough stuff, right? But yeah, these internet trolls. Really, it's their passion to ruin people's lives. I'm not gonna lie. I think my favorite one of all time was when Kyler Murray won the Heisman. And as soon as he won the Heisman, they posted three tweets of him using uh, derogatory language. I won't say it. Yeah. Um, They use it. And so my first thought was, no, 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 no. You knew he was going to win it. You you did all this digging a week before. You had Mm -hmm. that pinned up right then and there for when it broke. And as soon as he got to the highest point, let's take it down a couple notches. Retweet. And then there we go. And it went boom. Put the quote tweet. Man, they're supporting a racist. I think that happened to Josh Allen too. That the people would yeah, pick it up as, some of that. As soon as Josh Allen got drafted, they like it was literally one of the very first questions he got asked in the interview process afterwards because it broke when he was walking onto the stage. They pulled up like three derogatory tweets, and I was like, "No, what you did was you went back and thought you waited for this moment to have his highest, mm-hmm. to have the highest point of his life, and they were like, eh, let's go ahead and bring you back down a couple notches.'" It only took him a solid four years to get back in the groove of now. But now look at him. He's a uh, can't have any more momentum going into next season with his uh, team. No, but what I will say is, and this is probably my proudest moment that I've ever had working in this industry. Mm-hmm. I was texting a buddy of mine and 
big, bigger scout works for, uh, works for a team. And he asked me, you know, who's the quarterback that you really like this year? I said, Josh Allen. I think that Josh Allen is the best quarterback in this class. And all you got to do is get him in the right system, get him to the right quarterback, get him to the right QBs coach. And he is going to work. And after the first year, I got a text message from somebody going, LOL, love your take on Josh Allen. And now three years later, I'm like, what's up guys. Yeah. Now we did. That scout on freezing cold takes with that one. That's what I'm I talking am, about. Like, honestly, I really wish freezing cold takes would have been able to be like, yep, I'm going to retweet this now <laughs> for later and then be like, I owe Mr. Thompson an apology. Everyone should go follow him on Twitter at Trauma, bitch. Thompson because of, let's be real, uh, he was right, I was stupid, and uh, we all know that I was right. So Try me, bitch. That, that honestly still was my proudest moment. It is like after, like going into the draft, I said, you got to sit him or you got to get him in the right system. But if you give him a few years and he gets with the right quarterbacks coach, the talent is beyond recognizable. Like, like hands down, he is going to be the best of bunch. And lo and behold, I mean, if you asked me to take him or Lamar Jackson, I still would take Josh. Just, oh, just yeah. Just because of the arm strength. I, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I, I love Lamar, but just arm strength alone, I would take Josh Allen. This dude's a literal tank at 6'5", and he is a literal train when he's mobile. And, I mean, you know, this this the way he is out is just an example of fate. The, uh, the well, I don't know, it landed on heads and uh, never got that chance to advance to the championship game. I mean, the, the, the NFL is not wrong. I mean, I get it because of, you know, the defense yeah. needs to make that stop with 13. Of course. That, that's you. But like the fact of the matter is that Josh Allen walks off the field after throwing a game winning touchdown with 13 seconds left and does not take the field and loses. Yeah. Try explaining that to somebody like try explaining the greatest loss of all time to a, to a person to call it that like, Oh, yeah, he lost the football game. Like, like the L is next to his name on his all-time wins and loss <laughs> record. Like, no, no, no. And, and like that, like that, dude. That's like actually one of the things that like really bothers me when it comes to like breaking down. When I'm talking football, people, it's like everyone goes, you know, wins and losses are a quarterback stat. I'm like, um, just exhibit A, Josh Allen divisional round. You go out and tell me that he lost that football game. I politely mm-hmm. disagree. I'm blaming the defense on that one. How dare you play in a zone coverage against Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill with 13 seconds left? How dare you, Leslie Frazier, do that to Josh Allen? Yeah. Like, that's the way I look at it. It was a oh, little handicap match in that sense. It was just those three versus that secondary, and we not saw what happened. And... I mean, just the Buffalo Bills fan base, that Bills Mafia throughout the years and years when they finally think they got something. I mean, geez. And I remember, you know, Cole, I was just quickly looking at the odds. Uh, it was plus 1,600 if you wanted to do an in-game bet with that last 30 seconds. And, you know, I was joking when I was with my two buddies. <laughs> what if we just threw... $100 here. Bam. $1,600 could have gone my way if I was feeling courageous. But, Dude, I would have done, I would have done 10 bucks. I still would have been happy with yeah. the walking out. I'd hey, like, that's the, that's the way that I look at it. It's like, dear God. And I like, and like, like what's crazy is that I feel for, like, like to me, that might be the worst feeling in Buffalo Bills history. Because of oh, it has to be because of I get losing four straight Super Bowls. I totally understand that, but you only really were supposed to win one of those four. So to be the giant, my Giants, Scott Norwood, wide right. 
I say, I mean, like, like, like they were supposed to be the Giants. Like that, like mm-hmm. that was one that they should have won. But you were going to go to the Super Bowl. You would have beaten. I think you would have beaten Joe Burrow and Cincinnati. And I think you would have beaten oh, Sean yeah. McVay. So you would have won the Super Bowl if Josh <laughs> Allen doesn't have to exit the field or calls tails. Like that to me is like, <laughs> I don't know how much worse luck you get than that. Like that to me is like hands down the absolute worst luck I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. For, for any franchise. I can't, you just, you just can't. Some franchises are still cursed to this day. Some people, some franchises, as you know, takes literally a hundred years, like the Cubs to break it. But sometimes you just, it just, the ball doesn't roll your way sometimes. And it has been for the Bills Mafia for a long time and still waiting for that first championship. I mean, it's that or you go bang, bang. And then hopefully, you know, you hit a can out of the park. So (laughs) Not about that one. Anyway, to be relieved. So, you know, focus it on that too, Cole. As you mentioned, you were at the Combine. You were in Indianapolis this past weekend. May I ask you, what did you think of the talent coming into it? Was there anyone who really caught your eye? Do you see a solid uh, draft class coming into this, whether on both sides of the ball or what? What did you think of the uh, talent in Indy this past weekend. I think everyone's trying to find like that next Trevor Lawrence, John Elway type quarterback. And there's just not that in the class. And there's not probably Mm. in my opinion, a Jamar chase or something like that, but that doesn't mean it's not a good class. Like, I feel like everybody is looking for like just the next big time superstar that's already there. And that's not always the case. I mean, the reality is, is that when you kind of look at some of the players that we talk about as major superstars, I mean, Aaron Donald was great, but he wasn't the number one pick. He was 14. Patrick Mahomes was number 10. And even yeah. though a lot of people thought that he was one of the most talented players in the class, I mean, he, he was far from NFL ready year one. It just, it came down to coaching. I mean, the TJ Watt just won, yeah, who, who just won, but TJ Watt just won defensive player of the year he was one of the last picks of the first round in 20, you know, in 2017. So it's like everyone's looking for the next TJ Watt and the next Aaron Donald and the next, you know, and, like and the Cooper next Cup Patrick too. Ball. And he played in the FCS. And it's like, like you gotta remember that these guys, when they were coming in, they weren't the top of their class. So it's like, mm. don't give up on that just yet because if you don't have one of those guys already ready to be at that level, because there's a lot of good talent. I mean, Kayvon Thibodeau is, you know, is phenomenal. And ever, if, if he's saying that, like scouts are saying, oh, he doesn't love the game. Well, he sure fooled us when he was running running a four, five, six, you know, four, six, five, or whatever the hell he was, 40 time and posting a 38 inch vertical. I mean, like that ain't lazy. That's freaking impressive. 27 reps on the bench. I mean, Hutchinson to me is going to be at worst a solid number two pass rusher in the NFL. And I mean, I know people are saying like he could be better than Max Crosby. And it's like, yeah, sure. But Max Crosby was a fourth round pick. I mean, like it's all about coaching and how you're, you know, yeah. what system you go to and, and, and where you land and all that. But there's a lot of good talent in here. You just got to remember that probably none of these guys are going to be day one, like Trevor Lawrence type guys. But if you're okay with that, 
And there's a lot of good talent. And, you know, what's funny is I know like, cause, cause you're a Giants fan. Mm-hmm. There's some good depth at wide receiver and at cornerback and at edge rusher, which are areas that where you probably need to upgrade. Absolutely. Where I would not feel like you need to rush. Like you don't need to reach to go get those guys. There's a lot of good names you could go get on day two or in round two or in round three that could definitely be immediate contributors to, to a defense for Joe Shane and for Brian Dable. And then on the flip side, there's guys who just, if they go to the right system, they're going to immediately flourish. Like that to me is the most important part is everyone's always going to go, well, what do you think about this guy going here? Well, does he fit what they want to run? Do they, are they primarily a run-based defense? Okay. Well, he's really good at coverage. You don't want him playing in the line of scrimmage. You want him playing in space, you know, that like little things like that go a very long way when it comes to establishing and, and, and stabilizing a roster. So it, those are things that I look at. I, I personally believe that there's going to be some really good names here. I, I like Kayvon Thibodeau. I like George Karloftis. I like soft, like, like sauce Gardner. I mean, a New York Giants jersey would be freaking amazing. I, I don't yes. see how they're, not, how they're not considering him. I don't see how the Jets aren't considering him. Um, there's some really good receivers in this year's class. I, I mean, I personally – think of this as a very good class it's just no one is that like that top tier level like we've seen in the last few years mm-hmm. and, and also like like that's kind of another another thing like like we're so i think that like like football fans are just like so selfishly greedy of like well there's no trevor lawrence in this class so they must suck no they're just not trevor lawrence and, and, yeah. and again did you watch Trevor Lawrence last year? I mean, I would not be speaking positive about him until he really shows up in Doug Peterson's offense. I mean, like exactly. there's, there's a lot he's got to work on before we go back and say, oh, Trevor Lawrence, very quarterback prospect of all time. Like there's a lot he's got to work on in that aspect. So it's like some it's crazy fluke wins like- he got this season and he did beat the Bengals. But like you said, it's a whole new system coming into this for the Jaguars. But it's like little things like that. Like, I think that people are just so selfishly like, I don't see this guy. This guy's not compared to that guy. That means he sucks. No, it just means it's a different skill set. Like, and that's the thing that like, you got to kind of understand from people is I don't think anybody's going to say that this year's class is weak. It's just, there's not that name like there was in the future, in the few draft classes before. There's not a Nick Bosa that's going to immediately be a 10 sack, you know, a 10 sack guy for his defense. There's not a Trevor Lawrence, but that doesn't mean that there's not good talent. It just means that there's not an elite prospect who potentially goes to the right team is going to immediately flourish and become an all pro. Like, like, and again, it, that sometimes happens and sometimes it doesn't. And that's just like, it's kind of a fucking crapshoot. I mean, if you really want the answer, it's a fucking crapshoot. Like mm-hmm. go ahead and, and shoot the barrel. Oh, Jamar Chase. Yeah. Go to the Bengals. Yeah. He's going to be the rookie of the year. Like, Oh, Jamar Chase goes to the lions. 500 receiving yards. Like, 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 like that's a real thing that happens all of the time is like, if you, if a player goes to a certain team, they would be successful and then swap them and put them on a bad team. I don't know. Their numbers would be that great. Yeah. And we can argue that this makes this upcoming draft even more compelling because we don't know, um, where these special breakout stars are coming from. You know, for me, the Giants, we have two picks in the top 10. So as long as we, as we said, really need help on that line, which has been a problem literally for shit now, eight years, (laughs) arguably. And then we have, yes, we do need some more solid weapons. And as the front office of the Giants said that they screwed Daniel Jones over. So we're probably going to have 
to wait it out and have some more patience. And maybe he can find that number one receiver. Wasn't Golden Tate, not Sterling Shepard. Um, Kadarius Tony, maybe that guy, if he could stay on the field. But he's interesting. I mean, he's he's and and you got Brian Babel, like a guy who actually understands offensive concepts and how to utilize him in the slot. I mean, like that to me is like really, really interesting to see how they're going to utilize him next year. Like that's actually one thing I was really excited about when I heard that Brian Babel was going to be the head coach. I was like. If he does not work with Jalen Waddle, I want to see what he does with Kadarius Tony. And lo and behold, here we go. Yeah, but oh, dude, offensive line, bro. I mean, like, 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 don't get me wrong. I, I'm not a believer in Danny Dines by any means whatsoever, and he's given me no reason to. But his line's given him no reason to have hope. I no. mean, like, let's be real. Hey, you want to? You don't want to fumble today? What do you think, offensive line? Yeah, I, yeah. I bet the over. Uh, let's use Calvin Ridley reference. Yeah, I bet the over under on you having three fumbles. <laughs> Oh, I got to get the over on this one. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go on through, JJ. Come on. Go get him in the backfield. He's waiting for you. And his two like, neck injuries. For sure. And his two neck injuries are a result of bad offensive lines. And, you know, it's – it's. I'm at this point – we have no choice but to root for it. Oh, I mean, of course, we don't have to, but I'm somebody who has no who's at the no choice. But let's go, Danny Dimes, one more season. If he gives up, then um, well, where else can we where else can we go from here, Cole? We've been a laughing stock, an embarrassment, and trying to patiently wait till things turn around. And if this guy and Brian David, who can help develop Josh Allen to into a legitimate quarterback in this league, maybe this could be the final chance for Daniel Jones to show whatever potential this team sees in him. But Look, it should I'm be fun. Gonna, I'm not going to give up on him whatsoever. I, yeah. my, my biggest point is, is that you have to decide if you're Joe Shane by midseason, what are you going to do next year? Is there enough to where maybe franchise that? Because they're not going to pick up his fifth-year option from what I've been told. And from everyone that I've heard, he's going to be a free agent at the end of 2022. So you're either going to have to franchise tag him and hope that what you saw was enough in 2022 to make make him come around in 2023 to where he can be the franchise starter, or you have to start fresh. But you have to know by midseason. And at the same time, you have to be willing to go guns to the wall with it. If you're going to go all in on Danny on Daniel Jones, like and you franchise hack him, you have to go all in. You have to make sure you keep going and building that offensive line and getting him weapons and establishing a run game and doing it that way. Or you have to be all out. You have to go ahead and free it. You gotta go ahead and let him walk. You don't want to go ahead and like say, oh, well, we're bringing the competition or something like that. No, you have to be done. Because then you turn yourself into the Carolina Panthers with Sam Darnold. And I think everybody understands that Joe Douglas was 100% right and all of us were 100% wrong on Sam. Like, because like yeah. that to me is like, <clears throat> Sam got everything upgraded except for maybe the offensive line, which is about the same. And it was absolutely worse. Like receivers were better. Defense was better. Run game was better. And it was worse. Like, like, like little things like that. And now they're stuck with him because they're like, you know what? We picked up his fifth year option. You either got to be all in or all out. And, and like, that's the key. If you are New York is be all in on Daniel Jones or not. And I think fans right now are just like, all right, it's Sunday. I got my whiskey. <laughs> oh, damn it. Like, I feel like, like that's most fans at this point. Like, just chugging back to Jack Daniels and saying, Daniel Jones is going to win the Super Bowl. That was pretty much the last few weeks for me until DJ got hurt. And, um, yeah, it, I've just been punished enough. But 
we also the the other big question is what are we going to do with Saquon? Are we can't if we're going to trade him? Is there anybody who is going to want to take a chance on him? Can we give him another chance to see if he can overcome these ACL injuries or not? What do you think is the move for Saquon Barkley, Cole? What are you getting back for? Like, like a fourth like, round pick at this point? <laughs> like two so fourth rounders? Point, so at this point, are you okay with that? Are you okay with getting a fourth round pick and giving up on a on a guy who, when healthy, behind a good offensive line, is going to be able to make some plays? Like, if you're okay with that, because you're not getting more than a fourth round pick. You're yeah. not. You, you're, yeah. you're getting a guy who's going to be – I think it's like 10.8 million on salary cap space or something like that. Mm-hmm. You're going to get a dude who maybe rebounds behind an offensive line. If Joe Shane and Brian Dable, and by the way, if you look at the history of the Buffalo bills, they spend a lot of draft capital on their trenches. They go ahead and they add offensive linemen and defensive linemen and, and, and these type of names in their trenches all the damn time. That like, That's what they do. They go and they build it up that way. So when you do that, if you go build and you feel comfortable with your offensive line, then go ahead and run it back with them one more year. But if you're not, you have to also understand the franchise that you messed up passing on a quarterback for a running back. And even though he was successful, this is the most value you're going to get. Number because again, because, again, like the thing is, is like people say all the time, running backs don't matter. And like, yes, they do. But there's, they're not as valuable as a receiver at this point. They're not as like and, and yeah. durability concerns. The one thing that you're starting to notice more and more with these running backs in, in today's NFL, once you get one injury, they just keep piling up. Like, like it, it's not just like a one and done and then, oh, five more years of being healthy. No, like Christian McCaffrey gets paid top dollar at like $64 million to become the number one paid running back. And he's missed 23 of the last 34 games. Like he's missed more games since getting paid than when he was on his rookie contract. That's because of the injuries kept piling up. He's always injured prone. And like that becomes a concern. And like, that's my thing with like Derrick Henry right now is like Derrick Henry is 240 and a tank. And he just came back from an injury. Is he going to become injury prone now to where one of the greatest running backs of this modern era that we've seen is completely ruined at this point. And then you got to go ahead and and rebuild because of once running backs get hurt, they find a way to stay injured prone. There's very few who actually rebound from a really bad injury, come back and like are, are incredible. Like Nick Chubb suffered that really horrendous injury in college. And I did not think he was going to rebound. I thought that his career was completely done. And I've never been more wrong about that. I'm very happy that I haven't been wrong about that. Cause when he was on point at Georgia, I mean, he was phenomenal. And what he's done for the Cleveland Browns is like one of those moments of like, wow, I cannot believe he's doing this. Yeah. But at the same time, if he has another injury like that in the pros, does he respond? Does he recover? Like, like so those are things you gotta look at. So Saquon, I mean, it, it was a torn ACL, and then it's an, and that's a knee injury, and that's an ankle injury, and then it's a leg injury, and then it's a shoulder injury, and then, and then, then like your Achilles goes, and then your Achilles, and then you start getting worn down. And this is a <clears> running back that has mileage on. Like this is all, like, like that's the other thing. He has mileage on. Him. So you're not getting a day one pick for him. You're not at, at most you would get in my opinion, would be a compensatory pick like after the top 100 for him. And you and those should be to teams that are probably more in contention status that would feel more comfortable probably only wanting to give up like give up a pick on day three. You wouldn't be going to a team that's like really necessary to go ahead and get it. But I mean, again, I personally would just run it back. 
Like, 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 like what, like what's the harm? If you're going to go ahead and trust that Daniel Jones can be the guy, why not trust if you build the offensive line, Saquon can rebound. Cause, cause when, cause when healthy, he isn't a bad running back. It's just, when is he healthy at this point? Yeah. As a fan Cole, I would respond to say that I would rather have him on the team than to get an undetermined pick that it can go either way. And you hit all, you checked all the boxes off that when he is, on his game, he is a difference maker. He gets big first downs. He knows how to juke anybody out, and he could be hard to break down. Reckon pre-injury still, but I do think he still has that in him. And as a team, again, that we need more patience and we have gone through thinking that we could contend and then it falls flat on our face and then getting to the points where we stop watching and carrying in October, I think it is okay to do this somewhat of a rebuild with these available T these new available targets and trying to get ready for the next season upcoming after that. And hopefully we could develop some of our younger guys too. We're going to need a new tight end as we just release Kyle Rudolph. And I don't expect them to re-sign Evan Ingram. So yeah. And I, I mean the wide the, the, the wide receiver because I, I like I love when people call him a tight end and I'm like the guy doesn't oh, yeah block. with Evan, yeah like, Evan Ingram like the, the guy doesn't he definitely block. drops He's it he drops it like that yes exactly the guy barely blocks and that's why we got Kyle Rudolph to help with that pass protection and well look he got released so what the hell but you're right we need a lot of help. And at this point, I'm fine waiting for that help. And I guess the last thing before we switch gears regarding football, as we are about to enter free agency, whether what are we what's going to happen with Russell Wilson is Devontae Adams going to get tagged. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers. What is Aaron Rodgers? You heard of him, Cole? You heard of Aaron Rodgers? What is he going to do? To even the point where if I read this tweet, correctly i even saw the great pat mcafee say he's being selfish for how long he's taking i didn't watch the show today but i was seeing if i read that tweet right so obviously all eyes probably in the big elf in the room with mr aaron Rodgers. do you still think he has it in him do you think he's going to retire do you think he's going to go to a denver maybe even a tennessee a pittsburgh aaron Rodgers. what's going to happen with him cole I know my gut tells me he's going to announce he's retiring. Like, like, like in my gut, that's what it feels. I don't think he does. I, I think at this point he knows what he wants. And again, after everything that green Bay has done to kind of build around him and also mm-hmm. like make it, make it very clear. Okay. We're going to hire your old quarterbacks coach, Tom Clements back. We're going to bring him back on staff. We're going to bring back your buddy, Randall Cobb. Yep. We're going to make the effort to do these little things. It, it just feels like if Aaron still isn't happy at that point, it more, it says more about Aaron than it does about the organization. Right. And I, I guarantee you, there's a lot of people in the NFL today who would, who are looking at Aaron Rodgers and going, if you feel like the team is not is disturbing you because of like certain things, I really want to know what the hell you think is not disservice because if I would love to be 39 and 10 in the last three years as a quarterback and back-to-back MVPs and still feel like the organization I work for is treating me like I'm a piece of garbage. Like that to me is like the biggest flex of all. And I'm like, I love 
like the animosity of Aaron Rodgers like I do. And I, and I love that he he's now playing the villain role, which he's phenomenal at. I think it's I think it's <laughs> he's a great but at the same time, to me, it feels like it's either Green Bay or he's retiring. I feel like yeah. that with everything that Green Bay has done and with everything that Green Bay wants to be, like everything that Green Bay is hoping for and putting it out there, they will make him the highest paid quarterback of all time and that they will make sure that he is taken care of. And they will make sure that they continuously are giving everything to him and building around him after two MVP seasons. And he says, I'm done in Green Bay. I don't think it's I'm done in Green Bay and going to keep playing. It's I'm done. Like, I'm just completely done. I, I, I'm i content. I'm a first ballot Hall of Famer. I won a Lombardi trophy. I'm one away from tying the all-time record in MVPs. I'm like, I'm one of the most decorated quarterbacks of all time. And I've already had to prove to myself because if I thought that I was deserving of being the number one pick over Alex Smith, and I made it clear that San Francisco, you know, Hey, listen, San Francisco, you haven't won a Super Bowl title. I have, and you could have won it with me instead of that. But I mean, trust me, like, like how he says, I own you bears. I mean, San Francisco (laughs) owns him. So, I mean, like, I guess it's kind of like a kind of middle finger to you, but at the same time, (laughs) it's like, that to me feels the likely part. It's just it, he's either done or he's coming back to Green Bay. Now I could be completely wrong, and 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 you know I would not be shocked if he goes to Denver because of his relationship with Hackett. But at that point, how do you not release Randall Cobb? How do you not fire Tom Clements? How do you not go in a different direction? Because all these moves were made for Aaron. Like like if you're gonna go all if Aaron's gonna go all out and then leave and then like go join another team. Everything that reminds you of, and like, think about this, like, like when you're in a really bad breakup and then like your friend tells you, you got to burn it all, bro. You just got to go ahead and throw <laughs> it in a fire, light it up and uh, never think about it again. Sometimes all I think about is you. All right, Tom Clements, get out of here. Late nights in the middle of your, fuck you, Randall Cobb. Like, get out of here. Like, like, like that's what it feels like if Aaron Rodgers were to go to Denver. It's like the biggest breakup of all time. But no, I, th- I think he's, I think he either stays a green man. He retires. And, yeah. and my bet is uh, my bet is they announce it tomorrow. I, I really think that. I think Devontae Adams is going to get franchise tag because what the what they'll do is if they franchise tag him, somebody's going to have to trade for him. Like somebody is going to have to trade for him with a sign and trade offer. So Las Vegas would probably have to like would be a potential option. They would have to give a pick number twenty two. Um, maybe maybe like New England would want him, so they give a pick number twenty one or something like that. Like like Green Bay would be smart about it to where if they franchise tag him, they're doing a sign and trade. They're gonna get some draft capital for the number one receiver in the game if they, if they go ahead and move off him too. I think that is also going to happen. And as you said, there's nothing else for Mister Rogers to improve. I think he has a clear path if he wants to stay as a host or some type of content creator. And I listen to his podcast. I'm not going to lie. I would listen to an Aaron Rodgers podcast. I know. I know it would be completely like out of freaking left field. I would, I would subscribe right away. (laughs) That shit. He has Joe Rogan as his first guest. And, uh, you know, to begin the debates and the fanfare after that. But yeah, I see um, Aaron Rodgers either continuing his career. I mean, there was that one report that he said his heart is still in football when he's allegedly anything's with Shane Lee Woodley. But again, those reports are disputed that they're possibly still together. I don't know. Still together. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> if, you the McAfee, if you listen to the McAfee interview last time, there's a girl laughing in the background. Yeah. Shane Lee Woodley's laughing. I it's know Shane Lee Woodley's laugh. That is Shane Lee Woodley. She's so in could, that room with him. <laughs> they had to compare with her on the, her laugh on the Tonight Show in this. 
it was definitely her. So um, it was her. Like it's like that. That's her laugh. I, I like. I promise you, that's her <laughs> fucking laugh. Yes, that's the same laugh she had in the Fault in Our Stars. So, yeah, I I, I am definitely intrigued to see what he does. But um, again, it's all about to unfold for us. So, Cole, I wanted just to switch gears really quick. As I mentioned, we met interning at Sirius. You're an alumnus of the University of Alabama. Before we met at Sirius, I want to know what was your life like what inspired you to go into this industry? Where did you get, what like events made you turn into this charismatic personality that you are? So talk to me, what was life like till you got to the University of Alabama? Well, I think you know this better than anybody because we're both theater nerds. I think a lot of people don't realize how much I love the theater. I'm yes. a huge musical theater. Dude. Like I love talking about it. I love plays. I love uh, script writing. I think there's just a phenomenal art project behind the way they do it. And for a while, I want to be an actor. I really actually want to be an actor if I wasn't going to play like play sports for the rest of my life. And um, growing up in Texas, you know, one of the biggest things is that football is freaking life down here. I mean, like, and it is. I mean, I think people. <laughs> Like people are always like, oh, Friday Night Lights is an over exaggerate. No, that's that's real. My, my my actual so so our buddy Dan Lynch, who yep, uh, the was greatest, on the show before, great, greatest guy, great great dude, went to King's College. King's College football field sat about nine thousand, like about nine thousand. My high school stadium sat about twenty five thousand. Like 20, that's the, like like when I shit you not and say like that's the size of Texas football. Like it's light down here and, and like before that's arena that, numbers right there. Yeah, very big like, ones like, too. Like before any of that, I was also really into musical theater. Like like before, like mm. when High School Musical was big, I was like Troy Bolton. Like I was real life Troy Bolton. I enjoyed <laughs> playing football. I loved knocking the piss out of somebody playing safety, playing in like a zone coverage and waiting for them to bait and then like seeing a wide receiver, oh, I got you now, kind of style. And then like I'd soon go right after and then do musical theater. Like I would do, pl- like I, w- I was in Les Mis, I was in mm-hmm. um, uh, Bye Bye Birdie, I was in um, I was in a production of Avenue Q, I was in a couple of other things. Like like I loved doing musical theater and playing always the zany, wacky character. Like 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 that was also like one of the things like people always said that I was like a spaz. So I would play like in Beauty and the Beast, I'd play LeFou. Or if I was in, um, if I was in uh, Les Mis, I'd play, you know, I'd play one of the zany guys. And or like, a, or if I, especially if I was in, because I did Les Mis a few times, like I would always play like the, the the wacky character and then when yeah. i was in a lab and i played the genie and stuff like that like like like, like i played the zany character because of the personality and mm-hmm. actually i really didn't want to go into acting i want to go into voice acting because i really loved making voices and doing tones and all that stuff and and kind of like and making people laugh. like impressions I, 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 too yeah well i'll tell you that like I, like so so for a while i would do like stitch and i'm like oh this is family. Oh, that's family. really good and then like, like my girlfriend, she hates when I do this, but like, I'll do Mickey Mouse every once in a while. Like when, uh, when I'm really excited, she would like, Hey, I bought you tacos. Oh boy. Huh? And it's just like, I make people like people lose their fucking shit when they hear it. And they're like, why didn't you go to voice acting? And I'm like, no, I'll and they're like, dude, stop. It's not funny anymore. And so when I didn't get into that process and I swear, and I realized just like what a one in a billion shot you had at it. I did it in college. Like, so my, my degree is I'm double major in journalism and English. And then I'm a minor in theater performance. Mm-hmm. And I just fell in love with doing sports talk radio. And, and then I also loved writing about sports. So it's like, okay, I can do a voice and play a character and scream into a microphone for two hours on end and get paid to do it. 
and also talk sports. And to me, it was like kind of a perfect middle ground. It was like, I can be this theatrical guy and take all this knowledge that I've had from learning and doing theater for all these years and transforming it into an actual persona on, on air. And I'll still talk sports and I'll still give hot takes and I'll still give factual information and I'll find a common blend of being a factual, really good version of myself, but also having that witty personality charm that you need in acting. And like, that's kind of how it all unfolded. And so when I went to Alabama, I'd start, I'd start doing radio for them and I got my own radio show up there and then I uh, started writing and then slowly, but surely I got offered to do an internship at Sirius XM on uh, which was really funny because I mean, and this is, this is always like one of the, the hardest stories for me to tell because it really does show that in my, in, like in our industry, sometimes it does help being, being a certain skin color, but I worked on Sirius XM urban view. So I was the, the Karen Hunter show. I was on the Karen Hunter show as my internship. And um, I was the token white guy on, on an, on an urban channel. And trust me, there was a lot of people who were not happy about that, but I will say the greatest boss I've ever had in my entire life. And I, I stand by this and she knows this. I've told her multiple times is Karen Hunter because Karen Hunter really? showed me what the real world is and also how you have to grind to make it in this industry. And it does, and the industry does not care about anything other than the sheer fact of how much you want it, how hard are you willing to work? And, and I will always say every single day, she gave me something that was pure damn hell. And I got stronger because of it. And I will always appreciate everything that she does. And it's not that she's just one of the best bosses that I've ever had in my life because she was a hard ass on me. She's one of the greatest people that I've ever met in my life because she showed just how real reality is. And I love that about her. And I appreciate all of that about her. That's really wholesome to hear. And do you feel that is the proper learning mechanism that somebody who is on the rise, who's early in their career, do you think it should be more blunt, more transparent, more in your face? If you really want to keep up in a fast paced environment, you have to understand the risks involved with it and um, how much it's going to take to actually accomplish something. Yeah, to an extent, but at the same time, I mean, I got to be completely fair on this one. Um, I'm going to take the advice of somebody who actually has one been in the industry and done it mm -hmm. for a very long time. And two is very respected in the industry. So Karen Hunter is very respected in the, in her industry. And I will always appreciate that. So I'm going to take advice from her and I'm going to learn from her. And I'm going to make sure that I listened and took down notes and respected every single thing that and every bullet point that she said. But then if, if, if another reporter comes up to me and says, Hey, your article sucks. And you know, you're all you're doing is doing clickbait articles. Well, then why the hell am I going to care about what you think? You do stuff, yeah, right? of, you know, you do stuff out of plan because of you want clicks and then you don't care about quality content. So it's stuff like that. Um, I'll be honest. I mean, like I'm very tough on people. I, I, I tell it like it is. If I think that you fucking suck, I will gladly say this is what you need to work on. And I don't care about being nice. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. that's not the way the game works anymore. I, I mean, the, the reality is, is that. And, I, and I've noticed this, especially in my in my industry more than more than ever. And it's, it's not just in our industry. It's in a lot of industries. You know, nepotism is real. I mean, having yeah, having an in so. that you don't know about, like that, that gives you a personal advantage ultimately does. And, and what really sucks is that if you say something wrong to the wrong person, they will gladly go to their boss or someone that they know in the business and they will go and get you fired. So you have to play the game properly and you have to be careful on who you speak about it to. But I honestly think that that's the best way to learn. 
is is tough love and tough criticism. And again, it to me also weeds out the weak. It, it, and I don't think for one second that 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 doesn't mean that you can't improve. I, if you were to tell me right now. Seven years ago, when I was able to do my last show with Karen Hunter, and I basically got to run the last 30 minutes on air to where I am now, I would have laughed at myself in 2015 and said, wow, you were terrible on air. You sucked. You are gosh awful. How the hell do you think you're going to make it in this industry? And now seven years later, because of all the things I've learned and the tough criticism that I've gotten, listening and taking notes and advice from people, I've gotten better. And I know I've gotten better. And there's still a lot that I got to do. I'm 28. I mean, there's people who are in their 50s and early 60s doing this and doing it at a very high professional level. And that's 40 years in the industry working on it and honing in their craft and getting better. And that's like one thing that I will say to really anybody in the industry, and no matter what you're doing, in broadcasting, and if you're right, if you're writing, if you're um, if you're reporting on air, there's always things that you can learn. There's this this job is never you're never going to master being the greatest at this profession. There's there's journalists who are 40 plus years in the business and are changing up their writing styles to make it more efficient to where their content not only is stronger with a voice but also better for SEO and better for meta and better for uh, click content. So you're getting the best of both worlds. The way that the like, like 40 years ago you had to tune in to a live show like you had to be in front of a radio, listening to that live show. Now podcasts exist and podcasts in a second, you can go back in, hit, no, I don't really like that. Hit pause, re-record yourself if it's not live. And then it sounds beautiful. But like at the same time, 40 years ago, when journalists were you know writing, they were doing articles on deadlines at midnight because they had to run the press out and the printing press to get them out by 5 a.m. in the morning. So you had to be perfect right then and there. And by then, it completely, everything's freaking changed. I mean, you don't really see that many print articles anymore. Everything is online. Everything is on web uh, on web version now, and everything's behind paywalls. So it's a paywall, if yeah. you miss it, like, uh, and, and unfortunately, here's like the worst part. If you miss like a period or something, Congratulations, you can go back in two seconds and change it. You couldn't do that back then. So, I mean, to me personally, I think tough love is always the best way to go. I do. And maybe that's just the way I was raised with my dad and my grandfather and and all that. But I think that, you know, it it, it strengthens you up and really makes you look at the real world. And if I could give any young person advice right here, I'll tell you what, I'm one person. Matt's one person. Our word doesn't mean fucking shit. Like, like you have to believe in yourself before you can ever listen to us. Because the end of the day, you have to trust that you can do this and you can trust that you can get better. And that's like the best piece of advice I can give anybody. It doesn't matter what they say. Go take their criticism. But at the end of the day, you still have to believe in yourself. You have to be the reason why you're going to be right. That to me is the biggest thing. Can't get any more wholesome than that. I appreciate your transparency and, you know, I appreciate your honesty with this. I think we all need to hear it sometimes. And it's led you some pretty cool opportunities, Cole. And one of the most fascinating things that I have ever seen in one of my favorite Snapchat stories is when you finished at Sirius, you would travel the country being a production assistant or roadie with Monday Night Football. Is that correct? I was right out of college. I got offered to basically pay my own way to travel. And mm-hmm. uh, that was it. They said, ES- ESPN will hire you. You'll be able to work every single Monday night football shift. You'll be there. And uh, if you're, if we like you, we'll potentially give you a full-time job later on. Just be there on Thursdays, be there till Monday. 
And that'd be my week. I would fly out on Thursday. I would get to the, I would get to the set and I would go Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday on set. And then I would take the red eye back and I would sleep all day, Tuesday. I'd repack Wednesday and go back out Thursday. And like, that was my life for about 18 weeks. And I will say, even though it was tough because of, again, I was staying in crap motels and I was, you know, I was barely making a dime and I was just, I, I, I lived in a four bedroom house with five other people. Like, like that's like the kind of level of like saving money I was doing. I got to see the world and I got to see the United States. And and that's something that I think a lot of people are like, Oh, well, is it paying benefits? Is it paying this is doing that? And it's like, no, but you also, I can say I've been to certain places on days off that nobody else has been to. I can say that I've done some things with my time in areas that nobody else will be able to do. And I got to do it while just being in a building, like just, oh, go show up, make sure that craft services is fine, pick up talent, drop them off, and then you're done for the day. Go have fun afterwards. And it's like, I could say I got to do that, that stuff. And that was probably the coolest thing. And I got to see some really cool cities that I always want to go to. I got to go to Seattle. I got to go to Detroit. I got to go to Minneapolis. I got to mm-hmm. go to um, I got to go to New York a few times. You and I went out drinking one night when I was in New York. I remember that. That's it right. Was the, uh, Iowa, Michigan upset at that bar. And I think one of, was one of your friends at Michigan fan. I, and then we went to your vice My friend Nick White. I remember that. My buddy Nick. Was, and, then we went there, and, then we, and then we went to go watch. We went to the NYU dorms. I remember this. Yep. And we went to go watch that fight on the shoddy computer screen, <laughs> trying to all hung around. And I was like, come on, what's going on? Yeah, here? which I UFC that. fight that was. Yeah, we hung with my great buddy Nick it White. It was McGregor someone. It was McGregor someone. I remember yeah. that. But I like like it's things like that that like is so cool that I could say I got to do and I got to have memories of doing and I got to go see areas that I've always wanted to. And, you know, one thing I'm really into is I love saying I can cross off certain spots and states and bucket lists and all that. And, and for 18 weeks, it was basically a new city. I was living out of a suitcase and I was living in a new city. So I got to kind of live my life and I got to do some really cool stuff that was probably never going to happen if I didn't take that job opportunity. Do you almost feel like it was like almost a humble period of your life? Like once you get through this and you grow so much personally and professionally, just wait till you to see what you do from here on out. I think I learned two things in that. Number one, I wasn't as hot shit as I thought I was coming out of mm-hmm. college. I thought because of, I covered Alabama football and because I had my own radio show in college and I was pretty good at that and I was able to book guests I was do- and I interned serious, people were going to want me right out the bat. And I got one offer at a small radio station in Huntsville, Alabama, and uh, they, didn't even, they weren't even going to pay me a salary. So I was like, mm, I'm mm-hmm. not going to do that. And, and that was a guy who comes with accolades and accolades. And I'm like, hey, so I need to humble myself and realize there's still a lot of guy I learned. So that was the very first thing. And the number, and the second thing was I took it as an opportunity because of I, I talk about this now and it's like, back then I was such a brooding bitch, but like now looking at it, I just got out of a relationship with a girl and uh, living in Texas and doing all that. It's like every single time I thought about her and it's like, mm-hmm. this gets my mind away from it. I don't have to think about this and I get to kind of explore. So what it kind of did was it was kind of my coping mechanism of not being stuck in a rut because of, I was always keeping my brain busy. I was always keeping my body busy. I was always keeping my mind on an influx and moving around and doing all that. And I got to see cool things and I got to go to, I got to go to really awesome places and I got to meet a bunch of people at random bars and, uh, you know, hang out with certain people. And I'd call a buddy if I knew them from a certain city and they would take me out with them one night and then I'd go to work the next morning and do all that. And it was like, it was awesome. And it really helped me kind of grow. 
And it let me also see certain areas of the world to where I really do realize how lucky I actually am to be in certain spots. I'm very lucky to have the sports staff that I do. I'm very lucky to have the family that I do. And probably best of all, I'm very lucky that I grew up in a spot to where I never had to worry about my safety or I never had to worry about certain things. I never had to worry about, um, you know, about when my next meal was coming. And, And there were some areas that I went to where that did happen. And it just, it breaks your heart. But at the same time, you get to see just how diverse the, the, the country is and more specifically how incredibly different certain areas are and also credit to you for looking at it that way there's some people who will still keep those selfish tendencies but no you realized what you know luck actually is is just simply waking sometimes it's as simple as being able to wake up having some type of opportunity and be productive yourself and it's nice to know that you looked at it the right way as well I think the biggest thing is, and, and again, I, I'll never judge anybody for it. I'm Catholic. If you're uh, if you're atheist, if you're a different religion, that that's fine. But I I truly do believe you're just born in luck. Like it, it's unfortunately yeah. luck of the drop. And there's a lot of people who are very lucky to be born in the life that they have, and then there's people who aren't. And I think that the great thing about free will is it gives you the opportunity to write your own story. You don't need to sit in the dark and say, well, this is the story that was written for me. You can always go ahead and change it. And sometimes probably the best part of that story is you can hit a period and start a new chapter instead of just turning the page and keeping it going. And like that to me has always been my mantra is that if I don't like the story that I'm writing, hit the period, start a new chapter. Don't go ahead and continue to write that same story. Don't settle. Seize the day. Don't settle. And Don't settle. That makes the difference between the haves and the have-nots, I think. You know, some people accept the fate and don't do anything with it. Some people are cynical about it, but I think it's all just a game. Some people are born on third base. Some people are born on first, and you still, there's no reason why you can't make it home. I really believe that yeah, there's, there's people born in the hole. I mean, like, like, yeah. like legitimately, they, they're not even in the batter's box when we're talking about this. They're starting in the hole, getting called up to pinch hit. Like they, and they have to become the hero of their own story. Like there's people who have that, but in my opinion, there's no reason why you can't. Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes you have it easier. I can tell you right now, growing up in the way in the life that I did, I had a lot easier to get to my path than other yeah. people, but every single person, and this is something that I really hope that we as, you know, we in this country slowly start to realize we have to make sure we give everybody the fair chance. And again, that doesn't mean that the story is going to all come out the same way, but we have to give everybody that that fair shot. And as long as we get the, if you give them three strikes, you got to give them three strikes and, and they can swing away and they're swinging away. You have to be able to give them it. You can't go ahead and say, okay, you're already starting at 0 and 2. One strike or you're out. You can't do that. Like that to me, is the biggest thing is that we got to make sure that we continuously give a fair shot to everybody. You are starting at a zero, zero count, no matter how you get up to the plate, you're starting at a zero, zero count. And you'd be surprised how many people are still able to hit it into play. So Cole, another thing that I was wondering about. So after your experience with Monday night football and you're growing some experience, where does the writing come to play? How do you get from going from Monday Night Football to eventually writing 
NFL and college football coverage for Sports Illustrated. I believe there was a point where you were writing for USA Today. Did I get that right? Yeah, I was. I was, I was working for their for their sub company. Yeah, cool, the cool. Network. So, how did you get through this arc to where you're at now in terms of your writing? I never stopped. I, I think that was like the biggest thing is I went mm. to college to become a sports journalist. So I went in with a print background and then I just picked up radio along the way. So yeah, when I was going into college and this is something that I guess I could tell anyone who wants to go into this profession, my professor or, or the Dean of the journalism program told me straight up, you can go into anything. You can go to broadcasting, you can go to radio, you can go to print, you can go to magazine writing, you can go into photography the basis of every single journalistic style is writing. You have to be able to write something, whether that be a script or whether that be an article or whether that be a story or whether that be a, uh, you know, a, po- a collage board of what these pictures are saying or captions of pictures. You have to be able to learn to write. So that was my big, mm-hmm. big step was you have to be able to write. And that's still the, that's still the basis of everything. I mean, like, like when I do prep for my radio show, um, I will go and I will still write out everything. And there's this thing, there's a thing on the show that called two minute warning where we do the biggest storylines from the day before. And we do it in two minutes or less. I write that script every single time. I want to know exactly what my producer is going to say in my ear. I want to know exactly how it's going to come out. I write down exactly what, well, you know, what, what's the time of the, of the, uh, of the audio that we're using in, in the clip. I want to know all those things because then it helps me better prepare for better content, for a better flow, for a better audience. So I never stopped writing. And then when I got when I was working for ESPN, I got a phone call from a buddy who I worked with saying, Hey, they're doing this called the wire network and your name got floated around, Would you want to reach out to their EOD. So naturally I did. And they liked me and I liked what they kind of stood for. And they said, we'll barely pay you, but you'll be able to have a platform to write. And I thought, okay, this is great. Take that. Build my reputation, build my name. And slowly but surely it got out and I started building. And then I went to SB Nation for a little bit. And then I went to uh, the AAF, the Alliance of American Football, which was like my big, big break, which probably lasted as long as the league did. So that mm-hmm. fucking sucked. But um, anyways, uh, after that, I got a phone call from another buddy who I'd become pretty good friends with working at the wire network. And they said, Hey, sports Illustrated is opening up their own kind of content mill. Very similar. Your name got floated around, which you want to go ahead and do that. And I thought I'll freelance for a little bit. And then about a year and a half later, I got offered to go do a bunch of NFL content, a bunch of college football content. So that's kind of how I got there. And again, I I'm still not to where I want to be. I want to be on the full on national. I get to do broad perspective right now. I'm just doing basic stuff for certain teams and certain outlets and certain styles like that. Their ultimate goal is to be able to do every single team in every single country and, and then have all that knowledge. But, and like, that's the thing is that like, that's the end goal. And that's what keeps me pushing. And like, that's King. But here's the thing about like, and here's something that I'll also tell basically any single writer out there, not only always continue to work on your writing, never stop reading because of eventually like never stop reading an article ever because of even when you read like a 23 year old's like dissertation on like film study and stuff like that, you'll learn like what is working and what isn't. And more specifically, you'll also be able to help find your own voice. And and honestly, without reading the works of like Jeff Perlman and Lars Anderson and Dan Pompey, I don't think I would be where I'm at now if I did not read. And and I read, I would say at least three dozen articles a day. I mean, like I'm reading 60 articles, like 60 articles every two days. Like, Like that's how much reading I do. And it's not because of I want to, it's because of, 
I need to continuously read. I need to see what's trending. I need to see how to better all my own skills and how to continuously find my own voice. So, and again, I'll read my own stuff. I'll read myself from fucking five years ago and go, that was shit. That was bullshit. What the fuck was that? Uh, you call yourself a journalist. Like kind of look like I would do, I'll do that. And you know what's going to happen in five more years when you have me back on this podcast? I'm going to say five years ago, that was shit. That was crap. What the fuck are you thinking on that one? And like, that's the other thing is that it's not just you reading for now. It's you reading and hopefully understanding that you read your own work and see how you see how you've improved. Because if anybody sits out there and goes, oh, yeah, you know, when I was in 2013, I wrote this. And in 2022, I wrote this. And I have always been this good. No, you haven't. Like, no, yeah. the hell you have not. No, you haven't. You have not been that good. You've you've done your research. You've gotten better. You've learned. You've listened. You've come over time. You've seen, oh, this is way too long of a sentence, period. New sentence. Cut. Like, you've learned how to do that. And that's important. Yeah, I I really connect with you talking about reading. As I continue to advance my skills as a host and as a communicator, I read to keep informed every day. One, I heard that's what Johnny Carson did. He was the most well-read person in the industry, they said. And that's what I do. Keeping up with all articles on all pop culture, news, sports, human interest, et cetera, et cetera. And then also I listen to myself all the time to see how I can improve on my pacing and my articulation on asking questions. I think people have to realize how important and vital it is to be your biggest critic. I'm sure you agree with that, Cole. Bro, I, I I listen to my show every single day. Mm-hmm. Like I will go, I'll listen to it on times too. Like I'll listen to it way too fast. And like, yeah. if I know a part that like I felt uncomfortable with, I'll slow it down there. But I listen to every single show because of it. Because the first thing is if I'm going to send something into the world, I better like it first. Like that, like that's my number one rule. I better like it. Cause the last thing that I ever want to do is I want somebody not to like it if I don't approve of it. Because if you have to be your own worst critic, and I know that's such a cop-out answer because people are gonna say, Wow, I hate you as much as you hate you. Like I there's always gonna be that one yeah. asshole who's like, Wow, you also think you're a dick. So do I. Like there that, that's always gonna happen. But it the, the biggest thing for me is that if I personally do not like it. I don't want to send it out there and I want to make sure that it's good. Like, like, like I want to feel as soon as I hit pause, send live. Fuck. Yeah. That's going to be awesome. That's going to be great. And if I don't feel that way, how can I expect my listeners to feel that way? Yeah. You have to love yourself before someone can love your stuff and work. So patience is key. Everybody remember that. And patience is the biggest virtue out there. Oh, I'm, I'm telling you guys patience yeah. No, no, there, there, there is no, there is a fucking second. It's patient. <laughs> you have got to be patient in this game. You are not, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, there is the one of 150,000 people who will immediately go from college to a major radio show program or major television program, fresh out and never work a day in their life outside of that company. There is one person. That's it. If you're not that one person, you better be patient. You better play the long game. And I have watched, I, I will tell you this right now. I have watched so many people in this industry after two years of being in, like being in this industry and not being at the highest level, quit and go into something else. You have got to be patient. If you want to do this, you have to be patient. And always you have to be better than you were yesterday to get there. Nothing's handed. The best to way I could say is that I always use this phrase. 
tomorrow's a new day. Pretend you have amnesia. It's a, it's a brand new day, clean slate. Go ahead and start fresh. You cannot let what you said. So, so I'll give you a purpose. Right when I started with the show, two days in a row, I had really bad segments and they were always like near the end. I was like, it's, it's, I'm really tired and it's been a long morning and I'm like, I'm burned out. And like the second I was like, okay, brand new day. Don't have to worry about what I did yesterday during this time. Don't think about what you did yesterday during this time. It flowed better. Like literally hit, hit, like pretend to hit the reset button in your brain when it goes to midnight. And then as soon as that happens, you should feel fine. And you're grooving. That's why you're great at what you do, Cole. Not here to kiss your ass, but just just tell the truth and um, keep inspiring us with that good stuff. And before we get into the last few FUD things, Cole, how did you ultimately get your gig at Sports Map National Radio? As we said, you are the host of Just Saying It. How did you get yourself in that power chair? I got lucky. I, I really wish I had a right answer for this. I, I got, I got sheer lucky. I had a buddy who was working at sports map. We became friends. He used to bring me on. So like the best way I can put it is, you know, the Herbert Colin Cowherd, right? Yes. Yeah. So, okay. So you know how he brings on Joel Clatt and like Clatt will sit inside the booth with him and they'll talk like, and they'll have a, like a personality, like kind of pissing contest on college football stuff. Oh yeah. So I did, I did that on my buddy Jake's show mm-hmm. about the NFL. I would come in once a week and I would spit game with him and the, uh, the production, uh, the, the production manager at the time, I mean, the program director at the time, one time just sat in there and listened and said, you guys want to have really good chemistry together. And two, it sounds like you've been on radio before. Do you want to start being our freelance host to where if we need a, uh, if we need a work and stuff, can you be a fill in? And I said, yeah, I would love to. And like, that was kind of how I got started. And then I did really well as a fill-in after a year. And he's like, you want it your own show? And so I just grinded. And I mean, there's, there's been times. I have done shows at midnight. I have done shows at three in the afternoon. I have done shows at 7 p.m. I have done shows at four in the morning. I've done shows at seven in the morning. Like I, like, I literally had to be on call. And there were multiple times where things were going on in my life and they were like, hey, can you come in and fill in? Yeah, I can. And I just, I, I had a, I had a one show I wanted it. Number two, I also had to continuously work on it. I had to go back and listen to my own tape and go, okay, I like this. I don't like this. And I would also start booking my own guests and I would start bringing in my own people who made the show a little bit more, I would say credible because if I will just be talking on air for two hours, nonstop, I would right. have a guest come on. They'd be able to like, give me some insight. They would be able to give some context and like, okay, this guy knows what he's talking about. And then after persistence and hard work and plain and simple, just the reality of just getting better, like getting better with reps. I just got very lucky and got my own show. I'm like, 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 I really wish that it was one of those things where, you know, I, I, you know, applied for a job and, you know, they said, we love your air check tape and you're going to get hired. No, I just, I, I spat ball for a year and a half with a buddy on air. And then I spat ball for a year by myself as a fill in. And then I got lucky. Like, like, like that's the story behind it. And I think a lot of people out there are just like, Oh, you know, you had your foot in the door. You're right. I did. And I, I and Jake Asman knows this as long as I love Jake Asman is the reason why I I'm halfway to where I am today. I mean, the, the, the fact that he just said, you know what you're talking about. You're very good at what you do. You are very talented. I want to bring you on as a guest. And that was it. Like, like and no payment, no nothing. Just you want to spitball for an hour. Hell yes. And I made that commitment. And like, that was it. Hey, it just shows that everybody's journey is different. 
and that you just always have to be ready for your opportunity. You know, preparation and timing meet together. That's when things happen, right? And when can so, we when can we find you? And so if we want to listen to you, we'll just type in on Google. We'll go to sports map national and when are you on the air? Right so we go to sportsmapradio.com uh, starting on what is it starting on next Monday, uh, the 13th, oh, 14th, 14th. I will move from four to six, a, uh, five to seven a.m. to three to five a.m. So I am Ooh. on three to five a.m. Three to yeah. five a.m. It is, it is Monday through Thursday. It is nighttime radio. It is not, but but you can also catch the podcast version on the website. You can also catch the podcast version on uh, on iTunes as well, if I'm not mistaken. So, Excellent stuff. There's Excellent. stuff there. And I have so listened. <laughs> oh, I was just saying, I have listened to Cole. He's as awesome, fun, and charismatic as per usual on it. But I didn't mean to interrupt your point. You were saying something else. No, I was just saying, like, oh, no, I can fucking curse on here. I can't do that there. The FCC would be all over my ass. <laughs> I, think, I think that's the fun shit, like, of it. Like, like the, the funny thing is, like, and, he, and you know this because if we're friends, but, like, I cuss like a fucking sailor. Like, I, like, like my oh, mother's yeah. always like, like, do you kiss your mother with that mouth? Yes, mom, come on, bring it in, motherfucker. Ah, and it's like ah, on air. Yes, I believe that this person is not a nice fella. He does not need to be playing in the NFL anymore. Boom. When my real thoughts are completely fucking different than that. But again, it's one of those things where FCC regulations. <laughs> last thing I'm going to do is get in trouble with the law. Well, they can't hurt you out here, Cole. And I'm just curious also, Cole, just leisurely, what have you been listening to or watching and binging? You know, you have a good mind for the arts. I'm just curious, what you're checking out nowadays? I love the like mainstream drama shows. I'm not gonna lie, like this is us. <laughs> this is I, us. I am so burned out with it at this point. Like, like mm-hmm. I think I'm watching the last season just based on necessity because I've watched the first five seasons yeah. and been in love with it. Like, the last season is like driving me nuts with some of the subplots. Same with like a million little things. Like, I love like those type of shows. Um, I think that Ted Lasso is one of the best written television shows in the last Ooh. 25 years. I think it's phenomenally written. I think it's a really good content. And, w- and what they did was the story behind Ted Lasso might be even better than the, than the TV shows up. It was by NBC just doing a commercial and it yes. got so popularized that they made an entire TV show. And Jason Sudeikis is probably the one like that's going to be the one role that everyone knows him for for the remainder of his life. And like sometimes when you know, and you know this, like with actors, like sometimes it becomes really tough when you become an actor and you get like one of these prominent roles and no one else can see you in anything again. I feel like this is like the one where it's like, oh, I think he's okay. If he has to play Ted Lasso, Southern, like Georgia, Georgia Southerner who goes and coaches in football in England because he hears about football and it's like, that, that's all kind of, <laughs> it's like, I feel like that's a really interesting subject. Um, let's see. I loved Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I thought Brooklyn Nine-Nine was actually the best television show out there when it was on. I thought oh, that yeah. everything about, I thought everything about Oddly underrated for for such a feel-good, easy watch. What, what's a, what I love about that show is they hit so many tropes to where it doesn't feel like anybody can feel any certain way. So, so you and I know this probably really, probably really well right now, and this may get political a little bit. I don't really care. Um, um, <laughs> We're not afraid of anything. Uh, a lot, of, a lot of shows are very liberal agenda based, like where you have to hit all these tropes. 
I never felt say. that way. It, it never felt that way with Brooklyn Nine Nine. Like you, you had a you had a gay black police chief, and it just felt like he was a cool dude. Like yeah. like they didn't shove that down your throat. And you had a bisexual Latino woman as one of the main cast characters. And, and this was one of the very first times that the bisexual woman was a prominent character on a television show. I mean, and they didn't shove it down your throat. They just said, this is part of her story, which is how real life works. And that's right. what I love about the show is that it felt like something that everyone could enjoy when bringing up really serious social issues because the final season, they brought up police brutality. They brought up Black Lives Matter, but they did so in a way that is how real conversations I feel go in today's society, which is why it's really important for like those type of television shows. Like that's, that's what I do. Um, listening to, I love... Uh, and I give a huge shout out to these guys, Trevor Sikama and Connor Rogers on Pro Football Focus, the NFL uh, Draft Stock Ooh. Exchange. They are a very good show. If you get a chance to listen to them, I absolutely love everything about them. Really two smart people in this industry that I have a high lot of respect for. And they've done a phenomenal job throughout the career. Both very talented, uh, very talented podcasters that I think are really good. Uh, I love listening to Tom Segura's podcast. I think that uh, <laughs> that is hands down. That and the Bill Burr podcast are two of my favorite podcasts out there. I There is something about Bill Burr that will always make me laugh. Like like that, everyone will always like have this thing. I'm like, who's your favorite comedian of all time? And like, there's always gonna be like an up and coming meme. So Bill Burr is the go-to. Like if, if you were to give me one comedian that I got to listen to for the remainder of my life, I would pick Bill Burr every single time. And- uh, Just so authentic, that man. He's, and he doesn't care. And I think that that's the reason why I love it. Like, like him and Dave Chappelle, very differently, just basically scream, fuck you, I'm going to do me. And that is what I Burr. Like, the guy I'm listening to in the podcast, or the guy I'm seeing on stage, that is who Bill Burr is every single time. That is who Dave Chappelle is every single time. If I were to meet them out in public, that's how they would act around me. They would like, I would ask them a stupid question about sports. Yeah. What the fuck you mean? Motherfucker. Like, like, like that would be the way that they would respond to Yeah. You know, Baker Mayfield, he's a fucking bomb. It's just like, like that would be the way he would explain it to me. And he would do so on a national network too. And he wouldn't give two shits. Like, like that's the type of guy that like, and uh, like the authentic, the, the authenticity about them is something that I always love. And I always listen to Matt Brown. So, you know, that's always positive. <laughs> I always want to listen to what Matt Brown has to say. Hey, man, we appreciate you tuning in. And I do check you out when I can. Now, it is hard, the 3 to 5 a.m., but I will go to the podcast each time I'm tuned into just saying it. And, yeah, between that and just... I just listen to the fan all the time and just easy listen. I love every single one of the hosts now. And then part of my take and obviously Howard, Mad Dog, uh, Conan O'Brien are all in my rotations every day. Yeah, I remember you telling me the stories about Howard because if you would always have the, you would always train in from Connecticut. Like mm-hmm. that was what you used to do. And like, I always did like, cause, cause like you got to realize from a kid, from a kid from Texas living in New York, you yeah. think of like New York just being like this major city and like everything. And like my family grew up in the Bronx and then they grew up mm-hmm. in Jersey city, but I didn't realize that Connecticut is like 45 minute train ride in. And then like <laughs> I got to, I got to ESPN and uh, the, you know, their, their, their station in Sanford right outside of, right outside of right. where you live. So it's, I mean, in Bristol, like right outside where you live. And there were two people that worked for ESPN and Katie one time was just like, Oh yeah, I live in the city. I'm like, I don't need to get a hotel. What do you mean you live in the city? Don't you work at uh, Don't you work at ESPN? Yeah, I take the train in when I need to go in. Like I literally just get on a train and it's like forty five minutes. Then I get a rental car and do it that way. What? And I'm just like blown back. I'm like, 
yeah, it's a 45 minute train ride. Where the hell have you been your entire life? Texas. <laughs> yeah. You know, the reason why I laugh is because so many people think at least the Fairfield County part of Connecticut is on the other side. They think it's where Boston is and it's not yeah. most of the, there is a good, I would say from all the commuters, the solid 30 to 35% are from the Connecticut suburbs. And I mean, whether it's for tax reasons, like my parents, my parents are both New Yorkers moved there or whatever. And now that I, I've lived in Jersey myself, I can understand why people do appreciate Connecticut. Such a beautiful state. It's oh, a beautiful I know. It's a freaking like it's a it's a train ride. Yeah. I mean, like, 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 that's it. It's a train ride and a beautiful state. Like you can get all the perks of going into New York for an afternoon and really, really? having like nothing to worry about. And then going home to a beautiful state to where New York, yeah. you're living in a middle to nothing kind of apartment and paying the same price you would on a mortgage for a three bedroom house. <laughs> oh, the like, I mean, like, like that's the you're right. And it's only getting up, oh, and up and up and up. But uh, that's the game in the tri-state area. And we need some Cole Thompson to make a return once he's ready, even if for a day or two. But um, yeah, I really do. Like, I I actually miss living in New York. And it was fun. It, It was a lot of fun. And honestly, I'm still young enough to where I think I could do it. I don't know yeah. how much longer I don't know how much longer I am though. Like I don't know. I, I, like I'm at that point because I have some buddies who work and they cover the Giants and they cover the Jets and um, mm-hmm. I have one buddy who covers the Eagles and like he lives in New Jersey and he's like, if I was single, I would have done it living in New York and like done the commute. But now that I'm married, hell to the fuck no, I want to do that shit. And I'm like. <laughs> I, I kind of see it like, like I live in downtown Houston and like, I love it. But like my girlfriend is like, at that point, she's like, you know, I wouldn't mind having a backyard and now I have a dog and I'm like, I would not mind living in the backyard either. Yeah. And it's like, uh, I live in a box in New York. So it's like, yeah, <laughs> it, it is. It really, at that point, it is all timing where you had your life now, you know, as far as for me, I'm still a single guy. See what else is out there. But you know, when um, I said, if uh, the right opportunity comes when it comes to companionship, I am so running the whole way through with that. But uh, it's also, <laughs> I mean, it's it has been a, uh, it's it's definitely has its um, trials and tribulations. Now there's a new mayor in Eric Adams. Hopefully, could fix. There are some things we need, especially the crime is is uh, pretty messy. Some people compare it back to the '70s, especially after. Just so much stress with social justice and COVID. And um, it, it, there's just a lot of work that needs to be done, but I still believe in it. And I know that the, um, things are going to switch up. And and Cole, we hopefully, if there's a baseball season, if we could get some Astros Yankees in there. And um, you know what? I just want to say to you that you could keep Correa. I'm a Yankee fan who does not want your shortstop and pitch I don't, I don't get the, the Yankee Correa, I don't. Me neither. I'm I literally don't get it. Uh, if, I, if you want to, okay, if, if if he was going to go to a team in New York, it would be the Mets, in my opinion. That's where he would go, and I don't think he's going to the Mets. Like, but yeah, they got Lindor, so um, but, I don't think he switched positions. Lind- but even if you had Lindor, my whole thought was, oh, they let Javi go, 
Maybe they go ahead and move Lindor to second and play Correa at short. But like that's it. Like like I did. I never once saw him being a Yankee. Like like everyone was like, oh, he's gonna be a Yankee. I'm like, no, yeah. no, he's not. I thought he was going to Detroit. Like like I thought. I, I did thought, too. And honestly, Javi can play second base. He can play third base. You can move him around. He does not have to be your shortstop. Javi Baez can be your second baseman if he, if he wants to. You can still find a way to get him re signed with AJ Hands. I would not be shocked. Like, I really wouldn't. Well, wow. do you want Correa back? Yeah, of course I want Correa back. <laughs> I mean, who, who the hell doesn't want Correa back? I don't want to pay Except him up. Well, let's be real. This is not a this is not a Correa thing. This is this is an every single person baseball thing. I don't want to offer you a, a, a decade deal. I don't want to mm-hmm. offer any player a decade deal. I, I, I don't think it's worth it. I, I, I don't like, and I understand like right now with a guy like Tatis, you get rid of his arbitration years and said, you make it 13 years of having him under roster control. That makes a little bit more sense because of in that time period, that's going to be at his peak. So you're going to get him for what his value is to where he, when he, you know, when he's done with the deal at like 33, 34, you're technically not overpaying for him. But guys, like, 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 like if anyone takes away anything for the Robinson Cano deal, like to me, that's the deal that I'm like, bro, how the hell are you going to do 10 year deals? How the hell is you gonna a good example too. The pools is a great example. Like, like who else was good in LA, but his best years of baseball were behind him when he signed. Oh, that yeah. deal. Like, <laughs> like, like, like his best years were done and he put up decent numbers, but he was not the same pools that he was when he was with St. Louis. And like, everyone's like, oh, well, he wants to continue playing. I'm like, for who? Like, like, like for, and it's going to take the league minimum and maybe a minor league contract to have to earn its way out of the roster. Like, cause that's the way that I look at it. Yeah. And Cole, just quick thoughts. Do you think we're getting a baseball season? And if so, when I think, yeah. I think it's going to be a May or maybe even a Memorial day opening day I, start. I, I, I'm kind going. of in the same note with you. I, I think, I think Memorial day, we, like, I feel like if they come to terms, like in the next couple months, like by the end of March, they will hold off for May Memorial Day weekend just because of the impact of that weekend. Like, like just because of that weekend and how baseball is so synonymous with it. Kind of like Fourth of July, like Fourth of July baseball, right. fireworks, all that stuff. It feels like that would be the weekend that they bring it back. Like, like, like even if like they come to terms, okay, well we're gonna go ahead and be ready to start by you know by mid April. No, let's hold off and like let's get players signed. Let's get them into uh, let's get them into like some rotation, and then we'll start Memorial Day weekend. Like that feels more likely than anything else. They're gonna have a long ways to go on a PR sense to get the trust of the fans back. So think of any way you get that fanfare because you have a lot of upset people on both sides now. Oh, Cole, I could talk to you all day. This was really awesome, man. May I just ask if we could just do one last thing? It's a tradition, as I keep one more. As a tradition, I keep with all the first-time guests. I do the Prowse questionnaire, 10 questions. You can answer however you want, you know, whether you want to go long or short for it, but just 10 questions that I think is a nice final way to understand who you are as a person. So, Cole, may I do the Prowse questionnaire with you? Go ahead. Let's get these 10 questions going. All right. My first question on the Prowse questionnaire is, what is your favorite word, Cole? Man, that's tough, actually. True favorite <laughs> word, about yeah. that. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, fuck's probably top three. I will say that. Uh, I use that like a binky. Um, 
I will say this. The one that I love using and like, I think it's like, it's funny because of like, actually one of my former bosses brought it up. I say bra a lot. Bra? Yeah. What's up, bra? <laughs> I love, and, and like, he makes fun of me because of like, I love going out on the lake. Like, in, like, cause there's a lake about 75, like about 70 miles up from my apartment downtown mm-hmm. and I call it Conroe and we'll go out there all the time. And, and he always, he always make jokes to me like, it's a lake day, brah. And I'm like, yeah, brah. Like, <laughs> so uh, fucker bra would probably be my favorite word. Okay. I'll take that. So let's follow that with what's your least favorite word. Ooh, I don't even know what I get saying because it. it just, it makes my skin crawl so much. Um, <laughs> I'll spell it out because of, I, I I just and you could go ahead and say it and watch my reaction. H i n e y. H i n e y. Heine. Ah yeah. <laughs> and I don't know. I don't know why. Like, and you can ask you can ask my girlfriend this. Like, she'll sometimes say words just to watch my skin crawl. And like it, like I don't know why, but like I have like this thing about me to where like I when I hear a receptive word, I just see like spoiled curdled milk. And like whenever I hear that word, that's the first thing I see, and it smells like like complete and total like ass. Like that, that is why. And I, ugh, makes my skin crawl. Ugh. Well, we will. Uh, I don't worry. I will not uh, punish you with that word of Heine. <laughs> ah. so, Cole, this question is not necessarily a sexual question, but it's more of a life of fulfillment question. So, Cole Thompson. What turns you on in life? I think making people happy. I honestly mm-hmm. think I honestly feel like like that's my that's my thing. Is like people all the time ask me, and they're like, you know, why do you never put yourself first? And it's like I like seeing other people happy. I don't like getting gifts. I like giving gifts. I like doing that stuff. Like knowing that I made someone's day is a whole lot fucking better than someone making my day. I, I will say that. And, and little things like just texting somebody and making sure that they're okay goes a long way for me. So that, that probably is like the thing that like gives me the most joy or, and I guess turns me on, I guess, in that sense. <laughs> what a great answer. So with that, what turns you off in this world? Anybody who thinks that their opinion is the right opinion, because here's the key word. It's an opinion. It's not a fact. There are certain opinions that definitely are hundred percent wrong. I'll give you a perfect one. Adolf Hitler was a sweet guy. Like that one is like, no, 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 no. But like little things. I have a lot of friends who are Democrats. I have a lot of friends who are Republicans. I have friends who are big supporters of the BLM movement. I have people who think that it's a complete joke. Give me a reason why I need to be able to talk to you. Talk to me about your opinion. Don't just say, oh, your opinion's wrong. You're stupid. You're an idiot. You don't know how to like, you don't know how to have conversations. And that would actually save a lot of time. If you just listen to people, if you shut the fuck up and listen to another person, and that goes both ways. Like you need to be able to listen to people and what they're thinking and the other people need to be able to listen to you. But the second that your opinion doesn't match someone else's opinion and you immediately turn them off or, or, or I guess stereotypicalize them into one thing. Oh, um, you know, uh, you know, oh, I don't smoke marijuana. You hate weed. You hate weed. You're against the legalization. <laughs> like, no, I just don't like doing it. Or, oh, you know, I adopted a puppy. You want to murder dogs that are in shelters. How fucking dare you it's like bro like little things like that go a long way for me so any single person who thinks that their opinion is the right opinion it automatically turns me off i mean we need the people of twitter to hear what you just said man right before you log in for certain accounts you have to know the truth from cole thompson so with that what sound or noise do you love 
What sound or noise do I love? I think my dogs bark. Oh. I honestly think that when my dog barks, because of it's him talking to me, and the one thing that I was taught from a young age is that dogs are supposed to be family. And I will say that that has always been my mantra since I was a little kid, is that dogs are not just pets. There's so much more than that. So when your dog reciprocates and talks to you and is giving you barking and stuff like that, it's them ultimately trying to communicate with you, saying that they love you. And I don't think that there's anything better than the sound of a dog's love. So my dog's barking at me when I'm like, you want to go outside? It's like, yes, that means that I'm doing something right. And nine times out of 10, you can piss off a lot of people. It takes a lot to piss off a dog. Like it takes a lot to piss off a dog. <laughs> it so really does. It's one of those things where like, you can, you can, you can say a lot to like, you look ugly today. Oh, I still love you. It's like, yep, totally got it. So any single time, any single time my dog marks is probably my first, is maybe my favorite sound. Man's best friend for a reason. So what Man's sound? Best for a reason. Yeah. So what sound or noise do you hate? Ah, hate. That's a tough one, actually. There's not a lot of sounds I actually hate. Um, I will say the sound that haunts me. So let's just go ahead and kind of change that. Uh, mm-hmm. I was in a really bad car wreck right before I went to Sirius. Um, mm-hmm. I think I, I think I've told you about this. I think there's a few people yeah. did. My car flipped going to 85 miles an hour, and um, I flipped four times, and I walked away with a broken hand and um, some whiplash and a stage three concussion. But that was about it. Um, mm-hmm. I still dream of that sound from time to time. And that, that, that's a sound that has kind of followed me since 2014. And it's one that I've slowly been able to kind of forget. But if I ever hear a car wreck or something like that, it's, it's like my own PTSD that kind of brings me back. And And it horrifies me to know that I walked away almost completely unharmed, but I have no idea how. And that's, that's one of those things to where, any single time I hear a car wreck or I hear like the sound of crunch of metal, it's like a lot of, a lot of memories come up. And, and I, I got into a really dark place after that for a little bit. And, and luckily I was able to get out of it, but the sound of a car crash is arguably the, the most horrifying sound of my entire life that I, I don't want to hear. Yeah, man. I'm really sorry you had to go through that. And we're glad that, that there's a reason why you're still here to tell that. But, you know, we're always here for you, man. And, and uh, you know, how do you have that second chance? Oh, I love it. And again, I I I have a tattoo where it's the car wreck date and the pocket watch to where time could have stopped. And mm-hmm. instead of it stopping, it continued. So man, you got to love everything like that. And that's that's something that I always love. For sure. So this will be a funny transition. What's your favorite curse word? <laughs> Fuck. Hands down, I, I mean, I will, I will slide fucking a little things. Honestly, I will. Like, I'll fucking find fucking ways to figure the fuck out how to fucking say the afterward as much as fucking possible. Like, that's how much I fucking love it. Like, I will. And the second that I turned of age to where they're like, that's eh, proper to say, fuck, fuckity, fuck, fuck, fuck. Like, I was Eric Cartman, and I love it. <laughs> oh, your kids are gonna have a fun vocabulary of all types. I honestly just can't wait to get called into school when they said your your son or daughter or whatever your child goes by uh, has said the F word in school. Well, of course they fucking did. I stayed all the fucking time in front of them. What the fuck do you want me to do? I think you should change your dialect for your kids. Why? That's the real fucking world. You know, them? I once read this theory that soon because we're so desensitized from curse words and generations that the 
rating system won't at least um, mark for swear words. They think they, you might be able to say fucking PG-13 movie soon. Well, you can say it once. Like that, Yeah, like, well, that more is- than once, I should say. I say, because like, because like, here's the thing that like we always are hopeful for is like when Deadpool goes to the MCU, me and my buddy have this bet that what's going to happen is he's going to show up in a PG-13 version. He's not going to be allowed to say the F word. And Ryan Reynolds is going to wait until the end because it's so meta and he understands breaking the fourth wall. It's like no one said it. No one said it. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. (laughs) And then and then we see Wolverine played by Hugh Jackman come back and just goes. What the fuck are you looking at? You mother. And then it cuts to black. Like that is like my ultimate goal of like introducing both Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jack- Jack- Jackman as Wolverine and um, Deadpool to the MCU. Like that is like my ultimate goal. And so please wait until that happens. And then by all means go into it and then do whatever you want. I'll be showing that take once that happens in 2025. Yeah. <laughs> by the way, new Batman, Robert Pattinson. Best Batman now. Just I want it. I'm gonna see it this week. I'm going to see it this week and I'm very pumped about it. Because I've heard I've heard stuff about the movie. I've heard from everyone. He is fantastic as Batman. Yeah. And I love I love that he is good as Batman. Because I even said after he was in the lighthouse, I was like, I want to see him play something really, really dark. Oh, Bruce Wayne. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. And a Hono retelling closer to those uh really dark comics from the 80s. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. Robert Pattinson, best living actor right now, I think. Best um, with accents, too. I'll be interested to see, and I'll I'll text you after the movie, and I'll be like, all right, I I agree. Please, please do. Um, I'm really excited to hear what you got to say. So with the few professions you have, what other professions than the few that you have already that you would like to attempt? You mean what what would I like to attempt? Yeah, besides, you know, talk show host writer i want to i want to be in a, i want to be in a movie i want to be i i would i want to be in a movie as a voice actor just well, so i can say i did it seriously so you could still it. do it it's so possible now we've seen all these avenues of of people getting on the screen i mean cole you're really talented when it comes that, to this like stuff that, i really like, think you that's can what do i want to do that's what i want and I, I just want to be able to create a character and just something like that to where i just go you know i have it and and i don't want to be like that stupid like hey what's up guys i'm Corey from Corey's world like i want i want to be that guy and be the dude that's on camera and has to have that super cool sounding voice that goes ahead and talks like this all the time i don't want to be that dude I just want to find like kind of a common ground and like find that character and build it that way. But yeah, I want to do a voice. I want to be a voice actor. I want to do at least one movie to where I go to a movie premiere and they're like, oh yeah, he's in it. Oh yeah, he did it. Like like Stephen Colbert before yeah. he went on to the Tonight Show when he was still doing the Colbert Report yeah. was like in three different movies as a voice actor. And I'm like, you motherfucker stole my goddamn idea. How dare you see in Colbert? And now it's like, oh, I love you. But like, that's what I, I want to be able to do that. I just want to say that I did it once. You could be like Pat McAfee who goes in the wrestling world and then is a talk show host. And yeah. why not be the next one, man? You have my support and I see you creating a nice character that will get you lots of merch deals and residuals. And uh, I'd like to see you pull it off, man. You got my support. I will say my dream of all time, if I could, mm-hmm. if I could do one thing and it will never happen because of they have to release the rights. I would like to convince uh, the Watterson family to finally make Calvin and Hobbes into a television show. Ooh. I would love to see Calvin and Hobbes done. 
but Watterson has made it impossible to register rights on doing anything Calvin and Hobbes. But I, I think, but I think doing it like if I could do a Calvin and Hobbes movie and I could voice Hobbes because I will say one of the happiest memories of me growing up as a kid was sitting with my grandfather at the bagel store on Sundays after church reading Calvin and Hobbes. And still to this day, I mean, I kid you not still to this day, my background is, uh, I got to clear all this real fast. Uh, yeah, come on. Let's see. Still Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah. For those listening, Cole is showing me his screensaver and it's Calvin and Hobbes showing his loyalty and fandom. I, I, I've loved that comic since I was seven years old and I would love to see it come to life. I, I and and the reality is is that when you look at some of the like some of the major properties like of comics mm-hmm. that we grew up we grew up with they're dying because of, there's no more print media and yeah. I want to I want to keep it alive for as long as possible I love that the Peanuts kind of made it made a revival a few years ago I want Calvin Hobbes to stay alive because I want that for my kids and I want that for my next kids kids and I want to start a new generation and and there's just so much there. And I hope that one day the Watterson family would be willing to would be willing to offer it up to where someone could do do it properly and do it justice. But I would love to see Calvin Hobbes come to life. That like that would be the ultimate goal and ultimate dream is to see that happen. Hey, so much revenue is thrown into these IPs now, man, and everybody has a price. That's all I'll say when it comes to that. And uh, I hope that happens as well, man. I really do. So. What profession would you not like to do? Anything to where I have to be behind a desk nine to five. Mm-hmm. I just get bored. I get so bored. And it's not that I just, that I'm so creative or something like that. It's just, I get bored, like sitting still and answering phones and doing paperwork and whatnot. It's just, it's not for me. Anything that's, anything I get to be creative in, I would do. I think that maybe like any type of pencil pushing job. I mean, and what's funny is, is that, like I didn't get the joke until I was an adult. Uh, but like Timmy Turner's <laughs> dad, it was a pencil pusher, and like they make a joke that like he actually oh, yeah. pushed pencils from one side to another. Like, <laughs> oh, I was like, oh no, now I totally get it. And like that was the cool part. Like as long as I don't have to do that for a living, if this one day ends and I don't get to do this for a living forever. As long as I'm still being creative, I'd be happy. But if I had to, if I had to basically sit behind a desk and just punch down stuff, uh, I'd go insane. I, I, I would gladly go insane. You'd be a super sane Cole after that. My final question for you today, Mr. Thompson, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say to you when you arrive at the pearly gates? What would I like for God to say to me? When I arrive at the pearly gates, <laughs> I want to make a joke. <laughs> I'd want him to make some I'm type. Sure, of God joke. has a sense of humor. Just some type of joke. I, okay, you know what I will say. So, so here I got mm-hmm. a counter. I got a counter question for you. You got it. Who is your God's voice? That's a good question. Who is your God? Because I got one that nobody. If God sounds like this, I will die happy. I would go with, how about a Rip Thorn? You know Rip Thorn? I loved Rip Thorn. God, R.I.P. Rip. I, yeah, from Larry Sanders, Dodgeball, all that. I think he plays a good God's voice. So I think that my, so so mine's Sam Elliott. 
Minus Sam, Sam Elliott. Minus Sam Elliott. If, well, if the, Sam the mustache Elliott, and everything. Yes. So honestly, <laughs> Star honestly, because, okay. So so here would be like the best. I think it have an intro for me of all time. You know, like the Dodge commercial, like that. Have you ever wondered if heaven is real? Well, welcome to reality, motherfucker. Like that would be like. Hell yes. And then you just start riding the stairway to heaven. Like that would be probably the first thing I want to say. And if oh, it was real, like, oh shit, yes. Like that would be the best way I think for me to be able to get brought in. Or <laughs> I knew you farted when I made you. And then just right up to that, like, yeah, something like that. Like something really random. I think that'd be freaking hysterical. I, f- I feel if Scotch can talk. They'd have the voice of Sam Elliott. <laughs> yeah, honestly, yeah. I, I mean that, that Johnny like, Walker, the Johnny Walker symbol talks at Sam Elliott's voice. That or it's Jim Beam, like 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 yeah. like like Jim Beam was made out of like a like like no like Sam Elliott was made. He doesn't have blood flowing through him. He has Jim Beam double age whiskey as his blood and like the set and like that's why he has such a refined smooth voice like that yeah that'd be it for me oh yes refined smooth voice <laughs> well cole thompson you can catch him on just saying it go to sportsmapradio.com check him out from 3 a.m to 5 a.m monday through friday or check out the podcast there as well check out his work regarding covering the NFL and college football for Sports Illustrated. Cole Thompson, first of all, if you could tell us where we could find you on social media and is there anything else that I'm missing or um, anything else you want to say? Be kind to others. Just make sure that you live every day as as happy as you can. And uh, don't go to bed. Don't go to bed and mad at anybody. I can tell you that right now. It's one of the best feelings is when even if you're in a fight with somebody, you give them a kiss goodnight and say, I love you or something like that. So always do that. Uh, Cole underscore underscore Thompson. If you want to follow me on Instagram and uh, at Mr. Cole Thompson, I am a Mr. I am Cole Thompson. That's my name. Don't wear it out on Twitter. Oh, man. You never cease to amaze me, Cole. Thank you so much for the time. Let's do this more often. And uh, I appreciate you so much, man. Thank you so much for being you. And I love you, bro. I love you too, buddy. I can, I'm, I'll come up and visit you as soon as I get an opportunity to. Hey, man, I'll come to visit you as well. I've never been to Texas before. I've never been to Texas. Well, if you're going to play in Texas, you got to have a fiddle in the band. So I need the fiddler. Go ahead and learn how to play it. And then we can come on down. You know it, man. I will start right away. That's the great Cole Thompson, everybody. We'll see you soon. Cole Thompson giving us one of the best episodes of this show so far. Thank you for a wonderful appearance. Thank you for the inspiration. And just thank you for being such an awesome guest, man. I really appreciate you, Cole. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out in the world of social media. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast. We're on Twitter at Pod. We're on TikTok at Productive Conversations. So we're back in two days, March 9th, this Thursday. And we're going to have a guest. Assuming he doesn't cancel and flake or isn't able to do it but let's just say 
my next guess was somebody that I really didn't like at one point. If you want me to be honest, I did not like my guess who's coming up yet. You know, time flies and I'm sure that he wasn't exactly my biggest fan either. And we used to butt heads a lot in college. You know, time passes, people get older, people get more mature. Me and him connected on something about a week ago. And after we, you know, caught up and we talked about an opportunity that came in front of us, I, him and I just talked it out and we mentioned how, you know, things have a change for the both of us for the better. And I think, and that's why I asked him, hey, would you want to come on the show? Because... He is a really cool dude, you know, despite my old thoughts on him. He was always a great communicator, had a lot of interesting things to say, and he wasn't a square or nothing. He was a, you know, guy who had a lot of interesting things come out of his mouth for good reasons. So after talking with him and inviting him on the show, he agreed, and I'm supposed to record with him. Uh, tomorrow I'm recording this on Monday night. I'm supposed to record with him on Tuesday for Thursday release. And no, I'm supposed to record with him on Wednesday for a Thursday release. And yeah, I'm really excited to catch up with him. You know, probably mention how, you know, two people who may have not have seen eye to eye on things can eventually come to terms and make a compromise. And hopefully... Uh, we proved that right, and um, so I will wait until Thursday for you all to see what I'm exactly talking about. So with that, enjoy the rest of the middle part of your week. Continue to be phenomenal, make us proud. If anyone knows any podcasting or productive opportunities that they think I'd be a good fit in, let me know. Email me, mbrown3212 at gmail.com. And until then, I will continue to grind, and I hope you will too. I hope you will too. Don't forget to check in on your friends and family. My name is Matt Brown. I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. Thank you again to Cole Thompson for an amazing appearance, and I'll see you all on Thursday. Love you all. Peace.